Hello and welcome to our webinar today. Um, the JC Squared Show, Jess Crickshank, Jeff Christofferson. Um, this is our sixth session and today we are gonna be talking about um, church planting and thinking about a different future. We're gonna be talking about how to move from the idea of planting churches and a missional endeavor in our communities, moving from working with underserved communities to being overlapping gospel movements. So if you're asking yourself, I don't even know what that means. What the heck are you talking about? Well, we are going to unpack that with you today. And we're really excited um, to have our guests here and to have this conversation. Yeah, Jess, this is this is the culmination of, of the other five that we've been spending time working on together. And... Um, and so today, we really just want to look at what the future could look like. And so to get, to get there, let's restate um, where we are and have a, have a better perspective of the, an honest perspective of where we are. Um, gospel proximity, uh, a Christian who is a witnessing, sharing, a Bible-believing church that is out there and, uh, and it is bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to their neighbors, the average person is farther away from that than they were before. Um, we started the church growth movement, and uh, for the last 40 years, we've been, in a sense, acting in a way that was contra kingdom. We weren't uh, giving ourselves away. We were saving ourselves. And in the midst of our saving ourselves, um, we, have actually, we actually have less people in church than we did before the start of the church growth movement. Um, our churches, in many cases, most cases, are, are less evangelistically effective. And, um, and so we have to ask ourselves a question, how do we get to a, a better place? And so the, the earlier conversations we had were, were some of the key building blocks towards that. Today, um, we're not looking for a magic pill and we're not looking for, you know, um, somehow could there be a church planting movement that would come and sweep across North America like we read it happens in China and places in, in Southeast Asia. And, um, and many of the principles that we see happening there, I think we can see and we have been talking about these last weeks. But uh, the, the re reality is the, the diversity of North America the, um, the complexity of North America, a singular idea cannot travel across that. And it's going to take numerous, numerous, numerous overlapping gospel movements where, where a church mobilizes the laity and throw away the word laity because the church, that means people, right? <laughs> and, and so the people carry the gospel and multiply out into different kinds of expressions. And, uh, and, and they go over the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. And so one church might, might, might with its segment might multiply three or four or five times. Another one might be 30, 40, 50 times, almost Jesus' parable of talents. Another one, 500 times. And, uh, and in, in the future, the, the church of Jesus Christ that doesn't save itself but gives itself away will following the kingdom principles that there could be overlapping gospel movements and we could see um, the Holy Spirit of God take the church of Jesus Christ on mission in North America and bring the gospel to where it needs to be. So um, we have, I think, an exciting day because we have two living expressions of, of what we're talking about, what we're hoping for, what, two living examples. So Jesse, why don't you uh, introduce our guests for us? Yeah, so we have Tommy Wilkerson from um, Tampa Underground and the Underground Movement, and we have Onea Okawabi, and she is serving in Cincinnati. And, and Onea, I want you to kind of describe first what you're doing, and then we'll have Tommy described because I feel like I understand pieces of what you're doing there in Cincinnati because it's so multifaceted and, and beautiful, but I wouldn't want to misrepresent it. So, so tell me a little bit about yourself and, and what does that movement look like that you and your husband Dele are working on? Absolutely. And so thanks for the invitation to be here today. Um, really excited to share what we're doing in Cincinnati. Um, our church is called 21st Century Church. Um, and the idea behind it is how can we reimagine uh, the local church according to the founder's intent? 
And so uh, we never wanted to to plant churches or be part of this overlapping gospel movement, but um, God kept showing us a vision for something that we just weren't quite seeing and then impressed on us that if we wanted to see it, um, we had to be the ones to model it. And so, and had to is a strong word now. I would more say got to um, today, even in the middle of a continuing pandemic. Um, so we came to Cincinnati in um, 2018 uh, in order to start this work and uh, really started with building community. Um, the idea behind our church has three pillars. Uh, the first one is um, APEST gifts, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And the idea that we needed all of those gifts uh, in order to have movement, but they needed to be included in the local church and not out there in parachurch ministries. And that already starts to move against the center of power uh, in a church when you need to draw from all those gifts. The second was love and unity, and this idea that we as a church were going to actively combat any form of bias that positions one person or group above another. Mm -hmm. um, so again, the idea that people were being left out of the church or people were leaving the church because their gifts were not recognized because they were women or they were people of color or they were lower SES. And so making sure that everyone really felt included. And then finally, communities, the idea that people were not, uh, as was said, going to be willing to walk through the doors of a church just because the experience has become so alien uh, to so many people. And so starting with this idea that we connect through the community uh, in order to be a, a living, active force there. And so one of the first things that we started with was just doing dinner parties, um, because it's not scary to invite your friend to a dinner party to be present at something like that uh, to, in order to start making those connections. We started with discipleship and the idea that we want to have disciples before we have a Sunday service. And so this idea of trying to rebuild a church that's based around the people instead of the Sunday morning rhythms. And as a result of that, also reaching into other spaces in the community. So another uh, activity that we've done, we've also worked on uh, preschool and the preschool system and how can we make that look more like the kingdom. We've also worked on music and how can we make that look more like the kingdom and other areas that we've been involved in in our, our city so far. Oh, man. You know, I, I think I think that's awesome describing a church experience as alien because I think Ryan Burge's um, data demonstrates that all religion types are like their church service attendance is waning. And what's interesting to me, I have a friend who's new age and um, universalist and their their church service looks just like an evangelical church service. And so like that as a model and a form, like it doesn't matter what your belief or your religion is, like people, people are moving away from that, right? People are um, not connecting with that kind of vehicle as a means of, of gathering and, and learning and worshiping and, and all the things. So I think, yeah, alien is a, is a fascinating word to use. And, and I think, yeah, I think helps name the pain of that. Mm -hmm. So, so tell me, what about, what about you? You're part of the underground started by Brian Sanders, but you're leading it. Like what does, what is, for those who may not know and are not familiar yet with the underground movement, like what is, what is the goal? What does that look like? And what is your um, story there with that? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the underground is always challenging to describe uh, because in some ways it's operating as two things at the same time. So on one hand, uh, the underground is a collection of microchurches or these small expressions of the church uh, serving different pockets, missional spheres, demographics in the city of Tampa. So we have a really simple ecclesiology. Our understanding of church is like really anywhere that you see the intersection of worship that is not just musical, but that that vertical alignment with Jesus as Lord, uh, anywhere where you see community and, and mission and the furtherance of the gospel, anywhere that you see those three things overlap and intersect with each other, there you have the church. Um, and so when you kind of have that understanding of or that definition of the church, how that takes shape is, 
it, it multiplies out. It's, it's infinite in the way that it can express itself. And so uh, our microchurches do anything from, you know, working with vulnerable women in the sex industry to mentoring young black girls in the inner city, working with men coming out of addiction, uh, house movements or house churches, uh, campus ministries, arts ministries, prison work, all sorts of stuff. And so that's like one half of the underground. Um, but then as you have that, that collection of these small uh, works doing things in the city, they have similar needs. And so what we've tried to do as the underground is there's also the, the nonprofit that exists with departments and services that serves those small communities. So what can we do that would help you be the church that God has called you to be? So you are trying to love the poor in our city, um, but... Do you want to spend time designing a website, logo, graphics, any of that? No, you, you actually just want to be in relationship with the poor. And so actually we'll do that for you. That's what our media department's for. Um, if you're trying to take in donations, but you don't want to become a whole 501c3 and deal with uh, the whole process of recruiting a board, the paperwork, we will actually, our, our finance department will take in donations for you and will help you with payroll. And when you do want to go the whole 501c3 route, we will actually help you fill out that paperwork. Um, we have uh, facilities and training and coaching and all that stuff for, for our leaders. So that's kind of the underground, but really where it kind of came out of it, it, it has its origins in kind of parachurch ministry and the experience of being uh, a student on campus, understanding yourself as a missionary to your campus, feeling very called, but then feeling like, okay, how does this square with what I experience on a Sunday morning and feeling so disconnected between what happens on a Sunday morning and our everyday missionary experience. And so we said, okay, well, what does it look like to create something that uh, instead of trying to cater to the least committed, we created a place for the most committed where everyone understood themselves as a missionary, as somebody who is called by God to do something. And, and then our response to people feeling that calling from God isn't, Oh, that's not what we do, or that's not our vision, or you're going somewhere else. It's, it's, no, actually, yeah, if that's what God has called you to do, then actually, who are we to get in your way? Go do that thing. Whatever authority that we have, even though if God gave it to you, it's not really our place to say whether or not you can do it. But if you're looking for some sort of human intermediary, go, go do that thing. We are, we are for you. You know, that was a tweetable moment you just said there about uh, instead of catering to the least committed, we actually cater to the most committed. And then you just you described earlier uh, um, the the that your your services are set up to um, do Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 that that we just already heard, you know, this picture of APES, but your services are set up to equip the people to do works of ministry, um, equipping in all kinds of different ways of, of very, very practical ways that you just listed off a whole bunch of them. And uh, can I, can I take a diversion here? But um, the, uh, you both are doing something that I think is um, uh, not understood by a lot of evangelicals. Um, one of the things that, that in my, my experience is that um, I think Ecclesiastes talks about eternity is written in the hearts of men, and yet they cannot fathom who you know who God is from the very beginning to the end. They they can't know, but but we are. But everybody is created in the thumbprint of God. There's like this residual wiring that uh, goes off in spasms and flickers, and and when they see or smell something kingdom, they're attracted to it because it's true and is right, and they were made for it. And yet um, they don't have the juice to do it 24-7 like a Christ follower does who has the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but, but tell me a little bit, maybe tell me, wh why don't you start there? But do you see people who are not yet in a relationship with Christ um, attracted to the cause that maybe a, a community is actually going towards. And in the process of serving the community, they, you are actually evangelizing the force that is, is doing that. Do you see that? Yeah, I think uh, maybe a perfect example of that would might be our clinic. So one of the things that uh, we have uh, attached to the underground is our free clinic. So people who can't afford basic 
health care and in coverage, we, we try to provide that. We have some leaders in our community who uh, are just absolutely scrappy in trying to get whatever they can from wherever they can and getting volunteers and people who just believe in the work that they do. Um, and so they, they have that. But then part of the way that they do it isn't just by administering health care to the people who need it most, but they, they pray over people's samples. They, they pray for the patients. They have uh, a care that they administer that's, that's spiritual in nature. And so occasionally, uh, I think recently, they had somebody who interned with them that was not a Christian. And they said, okay, well, look, we understand that this is not where you are, but this is the way that we do things. So we, we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to do all these things, even as we practice medicine and science and all these things. Uh, and that person, as, as part of being uh, an intern in that clinic and doing Bible study with the people who are leading it and seeing what happens in the level of care that comes through, eventually became a follower of Jesus and right. said, okay, yeah, I was not a Christian when I came in, but being with you all, seeing the work that you do, this is, this is for real. And actually then turned around and recommended one of her non-Christian friends to then be a part of the clinic and intern yeah. with them. So, yeah. To me, yeah, to me that, on. that's a, it was just laying there, but for a church I planted, that was our number one evangelistic strategy was to engage people with a heart for a, bro, a broken social fault line that had a heart for that work side by side with them on that. And, um, and then there's, they start asking the first Peter three fifteen questions. They're opening you up with a can opener to, trying to find out this hope that you have inside you because uh, Anya, do you see a little of that where you are in Cincinnati? Yes. in a in a slightly different way. And I just, I want to echo what Tommy said earlier about, and for us, this is how it happens. This idea of we don't have folks show up with a passion in their heart. And we say, we don't do that here. Um, we have made our mission, it says, our mission is to help you fulfill yours. So it's all about what has God put in you? And then how can we break barriers and get things out of the way so that you can fulfill that? And so what has really been uh, attractive for folks is this idea that we care about who you are, whether or not you're in Christ yet. And the thing, the spark that God has put in you, whether or not you recognize it or not. And so as we have done the work to, to move barriers out of the way for people and say, this is what you've dreamed about. Here's resources. Here's our marketing department. Here's how we can help do that. People have come to recognize um, their that they are made in the image of God and how, um, you know, just elevating them in that way changes their perspective about what the church is and who God is and, and, and what Christ came to do. And it, it really does begin to change everything when people start to feel possible. That's awesome. Our mission is to help you live yours. Is that what you said? Help you fulfill yours. You yes. Fulfill yours. That's great. So we do all the things here. <laughs> what I love about what I love about what both of you are a part of um, is as a person who grew up in the church and you know in the last 30 years, when when it talked about when when a when a church would talk about being a missionary to your neighborhood, what they meant was let's go do like this this drop, you know, serve at the soup kitchen or, you know, donate food to the pantry or let's make baskets or shoe boxes or whatever. And, and let's do that. But the point is then to let them know that we did that so that they'll come to church and they'll come to that Sunday gathering. And so it was this, this distanced, you know, low emotional involvement <laughs> kind of, kind of interaction. And it just felt very transactional to me. Like it felt like, if we can't help people be a missionary in the places that, as you know, as Forge says, where they, they live, work and play, <laughs> like in, in the context of their daily life. And, in, and instead, we just make it like this byline, this mission department of the church, this little budget line that's, that's usually not very big. And it just becomes, it becomes an outreach instead of a lifestyle. And what I love about what you guys are talking about is that it's incarnational, it's people first. It's, it's that mission. And, and the goal is not necessarily that we get them to some sort of Sunday gathering. And it's kind of, you know, it's the live version of a tract, right? Here, come be with us. So, so that, that putting people first and empowering the mission in their life 
in the life that God has planted them in, their skills, their talents, their passions. What is it? What has it been like for? Um, and I am interested in the answer from from each of you. Like that, you you would go and you would talk to somebody about, hey, we we are involved in our neighborhood, and here's what we care about, and here's what we think, and they have that paradigm of outreach ministries and you know that that the things that aren't incarnational. Um, and so maybe you would be even using the same words, but missing. Um, missing the heart with the people that you talk about, like what, what has it been like for you to pioneer or be part of these works and talk to church people? Like what, have, what are some of the interesting barriers you've run into lack of imagination or paradigms that would be worth naming for, for our listeners and people out there um, who maybe assume that they, that they know what you're saying and what you're talking about, but they're still kind of trapped in that uh, church Sunday plus outreach paradigm. So, uh, Onya, I'll have you go first and then Toby, because we have him go second. Well, I would say a couple of things about that. I think one of the first is, again, this idea of we we start with with people. So we don't drop into a neighborhood and, you know, kind of start poking around and what do you guys need here? And we're, we're going to come in and supply it. If it's starting with the people, then it's, you know, what has your life experience been? Where have you been where, where God is showing you things that you are equipped to address and then equipping that person and propelling them forward in a community, you know, surrounded by people with other APAS gifts in order to do that thing. And what that avoids is it avoids this thing of we have to do the soup kitchen or we have to do this. Um, and, you know, nobody really wants to do it, but they do it because they kind of feel like they're supposed to. That's not going to be the sort of, of transformation that leads to um, people seeing the, the, the involvement and, and really seeing the, the fingers of Jesus on it. And I think the other part of that is, because people, because we're getting involved in places where people are already called and already passionate, it allows us to increase our imagination. So it's one thing, right, to say, okay, we're going to, we care about the education system. So we're going to do after school tutoring. We should do that. That is very important, critically important. It's a whole other thing to look at the education system and say, where is the education system broken? And what does it look like to have the kingdom of God here? Um, which is, again, a reason why we're starting preschools that are going to help teach kids at three and four years old about racial biases. So that age where racial bias develops, that maybe we can forestall the development of that a little bit. And so it just allows for a new level of imagination that I think church folks have been scared to dream that we could actually do something not um, palliative, but transformative in communities. Mm, that's so good. Tell me, how about you? I mean, you said that the underground is hard to describe and that would be because of our lack of imagination, but yeah, what is, um, what, what kind of paradigm shifts do you, do you think people need to have to, to be able to engage more completely with the kingdom that you see? Yeah, I mean, gosh, that's a that's a big question. I think, um, yeah, I, I think for us, it's um, kind of like Ania was talking about. As people hear their calling and they they do work amongst those people, for us, it's it's yeah, helping people redefine what you're thinking of when it talks about being the church. So if you're thinking church in terms of building, budget, Sunday morning services, preacher, all that stuff, it's like. Uh, then the church will always feel a little bit out of reach to like try to church plant necessarily. But if the church really is the people, if it, if it is a matter of these worshiping communities on mission for Jesus, well then there's, there's freedom there. There's room to, to see what is God actually doing in this place. And for people to feel like, okay, I can innovate and do something different based off of what's happening right here. So like, um, you know, we often talk about, necessity being the mother of invention, right? Or how the times where you see lots of, of breakthrough innovation it comes from that uh, necessity or unfortunately something like war, right? Like you, you have to innovate, you have to engineer. And as people are ingraining their lives with people, 
sharing their life with people. Uh, they begin to develop new ways of doing church, new ways of trying to, to, to figure out, okay, what is the good news for this person, for these people? How do we go about uh, the, uh, being the church here? And so I would even say that to a certain extent, you know, of course, we talk about incarnation, sharing life with those people, not just parachuting goods in. Uh, and maybe for some people, it starts there. But what I actually find fascinating is that in the life of our missionaries, as they do this stuff, they realize, okay, yeah, maybe I came in because I recognize there was a need here. But as I am here, I'm recognizing that really the need is inside of me. And these people actually hold the image of God and the presence of God. And, and I actually need to be with them if I'm going to encounter God. Uh, and so, yeah, I, maybe I have a sandwich for the poor, but actually the poor hold the image of God and I need that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it becomes a matter of, of okay, there's, there's mutual need and there's mutual benefit, perhaps. Really good stuff. And um yeah, this, this this hour is not going to be enough. I can tell you that right now. Um, um, so we're, we're talking church planting. You know, that's that's largely the audience that's going to be at an exponential or, or a church that is wants to engage in church planting. And um, um, and the if we're honest, I think there's sort of two ways to approach church planting, two very basic ways. Um, way number one is to plant for evangelism. Way number two is to plant from evangelism. Um, way number one is the way that we've always gone. Um, it, it is the launch strategy. It is the, you know, come up with come up with something that where you can get enough people together. And once we get them together, then we go and figure out how we're going to, you know, send them to the, which often doesn't happen. Um it becomes an increasingly impossible idea to plant a church from evangelism, I mean, for evangelism in a, in a culture that's losing religious memory where, where it is alien, alien idea, as you said, I need to, to go and, and to think about, maybe I should go to church. Maybe my kids need some religious instruction. <clears throat> that, that's probably not the, um, you know, going on in the hearts and minds of most people. And so, um, so you're, you were talking to, you know, churches that want to plant churches. We're talking to leaders right now who want to be um, evangelistically effective. They want to um, bring the whole gospel to the whole community. That, that's their, their, their want to, yet our, our memory is something that gets in the way of that. Our memory is, is as, as described already, a, a goods and services Sunday kind of experience that, um, that, in many ways, misses the heart of what the mission of Christ is about. And so give, I'm, I'm a church planter. Uh, I, I just sense that God is saying, um, my heart is just thumping. And, uh, and every time I think about this one area of town, my heart just, just thumps. And I just, I just really sense God is saying, you know, go there and, um, and, and, and be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Tell me, what should I do and what shouldn't I do? That's a big question, Onea, but you, you kind of did that, right? You did that. And uh, what, what, what should I do and what shouldn't I do um, to avoid the trap that, uh, that we often fall in? Mm. Well, what you should do um, is, first of all, recognize that the gospel is already in the place where mm. you're going to, mm. that you you are not bringing it <laughs> for the first time. It's there. It's in the hearts and minds of the people. And, you know, getting rid of this idea that, um, you know, especially if you happen to be going to an underserved community, the idea that that people's communities are underserved because somehow they're not following Jesus. Um, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, in fact, some of those uh, communities are, are much more uh, mm. uh, churched than a lot of the suburban communities. So let, let's just stop. So yeah. point number one is when you yeah. go into that community, recognize yeah. there are already gospel partners there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, once you have that experience of recognizing that and being in the community, ask yourself again, do I really need to plant a church here to do the thing that God is asking me to do? Or is there already a ministry here that's doing great work, but doesn't have the resources that I could get for this new church plant? And I can go partner and serve under their leadership and I can create something greater 
than I could alone in so opposition point num- to them. Point number two then is check your motives. What, why am I? Why am I doing this? Am I? <laughs> is that, am I reading too much into what you just said? Uh, it, I think check your motives is true, and then check how you're looking at the existing ministries. Do you feel like you have something that they they don't have, and why do you feel that way? So really looking at our biases and the places where we get to. And the answer may be God really is calling you to plant a church there. But before you get to that point, look at all of the, because it's just this beautiful, right? To take that and plant a new ministry within an existing ministry where you can serve under the leadership of somebody who's already there. But I, I already have all these that on a church planting webinar, but <laughs> it's I already true. have all these brochures that says there's no gospel centered <laughs> church in that area. We're bringing the gospel to my neighborhood. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Anything else? I keep interrupting you. <laughs> no, that's okay. I I I love that. Um, yeah, I think I think that those are the the first couple of steps, and then you know, as as is your as you're continuing to be called to that neighborhood, go move into the neighborhood and be Jesus with flesh on. You know, walk around, know the people. Um, be the people. Don't just erase those barriers of us and them. It's hmm. great. Tommy, what would you add? Yeah, I would echo all of that. I mean, I think uh, maybe because I'm thinking from a like our community microchurch perspective, uh, if someone's saying, if someone comes to us and says, hey, I really feel this thing in my heart, like this thing is, my heart is beating faster when I think about it, I lose sleep over this. It's like the first thing you should do is do something, be obedient. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just disregard that and say, okay, well, I'll put that off for a later date. But no, like listen to that, lean into that. Um, and, I, and I do think there is something about everything that Onia just said and going and listening and, and figuring out, okay, what is God doing here? What does he want to do here? And being curious, like what, what is he already up to? And where are the, where are the grooves of grace, the people of peace? Uh, and eventually I think what's important for, for any person that with the calling is that as much as you feel called to a neighborhood or a city or an issue, it must eventually converge on a name and a person. And so you have to make a friend. You have to get to know a person, share life with a person. Uh, and so there's, there's room for, I think, flexibility to like, not, so if there was a don't, I'd say like, don't go in thinking you have all the answers. Um, and if you're, if you're a planter, chances are you've already learned that by now, that whatever strategy you had, culture eats it for breakfast, reality eats it for breakfast. And so you just have to be flexible and know that uh, whatever is happening right here it will probably look really different from the way that you envisioned it. And you will look different than the way that you envisioned, but that's part of the beauty of in the mystery of planting. So I'd say that much. Good sage advice. Thank you guys. Yeah. You know, I think about the church planting assessments and one of the things that they, that bothers me about like the church planting assessment profiles is that they, uh, they find and the person who gets the high score is this immature evangelist who walks, who has a plan and a strategy and a vision already, and they can recruit people to their cause and, and send it out. And then they get out there and you're like, and yeah, they run into reality, just like Tommy said, and they miss the Imago day and the people and the work of the kingdom already in the neighborhood and all of the assumptions that, that get us to that point. Um, so, so, so Onia, you are a sociologist, you have your PhD in sociology. You are a brilliant, amazing woman. And I'm just wondering, like, how does that inform the way that you think about the gospel? And when you look at your community and when you look at your neighborhood, like, what does that, what does that bring and reveal for you and the way that you think about what is good news where you live? Yeah. So for me, my, my sociological training just submits uh, the reason why the good news of the kingdom of God is so important. Hmm. Because having been able to study, you know, other organizations, the military or schools or workplaces or et cetera, there's no place where all people are treated as though they're made in the image of God. There's not a place where white is not better than black. There's not a place where male is not better than female. There's not a place where rich is not better than poor. 
And I believe that the church is supposed to be that place and model that place. And so, you know, regardless of your, your background or the things that you bring to the table, that all of it is welcomed and valued. And through that valuing, we build, um, we build good things. We build a world that's more like the kingdom, the place where Jesus rules and reigns. And so for me, I see all of the barriers along the way that get in the way of that happening. Um, and I just feel like, the gospel done well has the ability to change that, to change all of that and to really allow um, people to recognize their full potential and what God has called them to be. The other thing that's true, especially here, um, is we often talk about this idea of what we want to live out is very different than the forces that are surrounding us. And the only way that you break through those things, individuals really can't do it. You need a community. And so again, seeing the power of what happens when just not one person, but a bunch of people together with different giftings and mutual respect for each other, catch this vision for what the kingdom of God can be in a space and start to make it happen. Mm. Um, really you, you, believe that anything's possible. Wow. That's awesome. I, uh, I'm too simple to understand what the kingdom of God is and, or how to describe it. And so um, I, I just default to a little thing that it's what everything looks like when Jesus gets his way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and when you think about a community through that lens, um, it, it, it really is, as you describe, it's a beautiful picture. It is, it is um, the uh, the wholeness of of relationships and um, and environment and everything, community and society, and and Jesus is interested in all of that. Which the Sunday morning edition version is not really can't really capture what you have just painted there. And um, so, part of what we're wanting to talk is the net effect of of movement. And, um, and for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be understood by ears with different, different cultural biases, different experiences, it's going to take a myriad of ways to, um, to, to actually build a, a bridge and a relationship in order for that to happen. And, uh, and so, so the, if the only expression that we have for getting the gospel out is a worship service in more or less sameness, different, different variations of the exact same thing um, that precludes 90% of, of, of the, the community that don't feel guilty about not coming to your church or someone's church. And, um, and so when you think about overlapping movements, you, you when you think about that, you're thinking about um, dissimilar ideas. You're you're thinking about um, um, many of the expressions that both you, Onya, and Tommy, you too have um, described, releasing your the people of God for the mission of God in ways that are, um, you know show the power of God in, in incredible ways. And so think, think, paint the picture um, for your futures, paint Cincinnati. Um, God, God has given you a vision for the kingdom and um, given you a picture, a little glimpse maybe of what your part in, in his kingdom might be. Um, what does an overlapping gospel movement look like? What do you see happening? No, it's not here yet, but it you you can taste it. It's it's coming. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot of permission to dream, and I love it, and I'm here for it. <laughs> so I think the number one thing that we see is like discipleship um, breaking out, and again for people who would say that they're Christians and people who would say that they're not Christians, but just this building of deeper relationships, real life to life, you know, day in, day out relationships as um, 
people follow people following Christ. And that starts to get at some of this, you know, epidemic of loneliness that we've seen even more of during, during the pandemic, that people would actually know each other. Um, it starts to affect, um, as I mentioned, some of the siloing of different uh, churches and different uh, movements. One of the examples that we give give all the time is, is the music industry and how um, it's siloed by race and how we would love to, to break that with some of the music that we're making with cross worship and being able to say, okay, we don't have a contemporary Christian music and a gospel track. We have, you know, one track that we start to see change in the education system with universal preschool happening and children having a chance from the beginning and getting some of the um, biases out of the system. So we don't have preschoolers who are being suspended from preschool and set on a path where they're not going to do well in school. And that's going to lead to, um, you know, negative consequences down the road up to and including prison. And then finally, with, with socioeconomic issues, um, being able to have a society where everyone has what they need. Um, and that only happens uh, via community. So it starts small. It starts by, you know, providing what folks need um, as we work through Care Portal to help keep kids out of foster care, but continuing to grow that until you're in a place um, where every person in the city of Cincinnati has what they need. Um, it's often been said that Cincinnati is a tale of two cities where you've got Fortune 500 companies and you've got a top five child poverty rate. Uh, when the kingdom of God comes in Cincinnati, um, and I believe that that's starting to happen, we don't see that anymore. We see prosperity helping every single person in the city. You see Acts 4. You do. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Tommy, what would you see? Yeah, I might actually have you uh, just repeat the question just so I can make sure that I'm answering along. Yeah, well, you guys are, you're, you're, you, you have a picture of releasing the body of Christ to the mission of Christ in, in, in a way that's, you know, probably unparalleled in a lot of ways. And so people are coming to your church and learning and, and um, do you have, do you have dreams of, of, okay, this is what I see could be happening in Tampa. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways, uh, maybe just because I admire our leaders in so many different ways and they're all my heroes. Uh, I often say the thing that makes the underground remarkable isn't necessarily that just any single one of those microchurches exists, although that is amazing in and of itself that, you know, there is a created, there is a, a well-built bikes, which is a social enterprise where you, uh, the poor can earn a bike and they can have a means of transportation. And it's about restoring dignity and just restoring the image of God to them and giving them a means of transportation and, and all of that. So as amazing as it is that those individual things exist to me, the real, the wonder of the underground is that they exist together and know each other. And it is this subversive network of people who you would never expect that, uh, you know, this guy who is doing work amongst addicted men is in the same community as this guy who is doing a Bible study in this bar over here. And, and somehow they, they do know each other and they do learn and receive from each other. Mm. And so when I think about the city of Tampa, I, I think about the way that our leaders are engaging it in that way. Uh, and, and yeah, the way that, I mean, right now there's still, you know, 1500 homeless people in the city of Tampa. There is still uh, you know, 6,000 kids in the foster care system there. Tampa still has an insanely high amount of strip clubs and, and, and per capita than other cities in America. And the way that Florida in general is, I guess, third in the nation in terms of human trafficking. And, and I just imagine a world where that is not the case, where those things are not uh, factors. And, and I think our microchurches are doing work in seeing that uh, ended and fought and addiction is being... Uh, I don't know, re-understood um, because of some of the, the gospel witness that people are, 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 are having. Um, but yeah, I think I imagine all of that in, in collaboration with each other and, and, and we're seeing it in some ways. And I think it's, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. That subversive kingdom that uh, that's uh, turning in my language, 
um, just like the the apostles in the in the first century. Who are these people turning the world upside right? You know, and uh, and that's that's great, Jess. Yeah, I want to um, just let anybody on our audience know. I just looked at the time because this this is going so fast for me. But if you have a question, please put it in the chat um, right away so we can we can hopefully get to that. Um, but I'm I'm interested from you guys. What kind of encouragement? Um, would you give someone who wants to do something like this? Like, do you have resources? Do you, you know, have, have I mean, I know you do, but where would you enc- encourage somewhere to start someone to begin um, to go down the, the rabbit hole of uh, just this paradigm shift and, and opening up their imagination? I feel a little bit like, you know, rap, uh, Alice, you know, moving into Wonderland, that, that there would be so much that's possible. Um, where would you recommend they start? So, Onia, you first and then Tomi. Yeah, so I would recommend that they not be afraid. Um, that would be a, a very, very first thing. And the reason why I say this is we went to uh, a church planting training and we're told to, to do the usual big launch model and you find the place and you look for the Home Depot and then you move into that. I mean, like you do all the things and you set your demographic target and then you you launch with all of these people. And right around the time we had our official launch, you know, by then we were in the middle of a, a pandemic. If we had followed that advice, we, I don't know that we would exist today. Um, and so it did take some level of courage to, to say, I'm not going to follow that advice because there's a, can be a lot of fear. If you don't follow the advice and you don't succeed, um, you feel like it was your failure because you were given all of the advice. But really always is to follow the, the vision that God has given you with wise counsel and with people around you to help you lead the way. But just don't be afraid to do mm-hmm. something that looks like uh, what you haven't seen before. Just because you haven't seen it before doesn't mean that the world doesn't need it. Uh, is the first bit of advice. And then the the second, um, in terms of, of resources, you know, in order to have, and I think that the common thread and all of the overlapping um, gospel movements is, is what we're hearing today, that it's going to take people and what God has put into the people around you. That's what happened in the New Testament church. I believe it's going to continue happening as we move forward today. And in order to do that, you've got to have the right understanding of the places where, um, you know, maybe your experience will get in the way of uh, seeing and really reaching into all people and seeing the gifts and the talents in all people. So things like um, forgotten ways uh, that will will help you understand the APES gifts and not get in fights with people who have different functions than you. Um, And then uh, the Love and Unity Project is a project that we work on to help teach people about race, class, and gender, and try to make sure that you're not, um, again, eliminating people from your team because you just don't understand how to work with them yet. My husband is an is an introvert, and he's always like trying to stand up quietly in our house by himself to me for all the introverts who get overlooked for leadership. We and, need them too. <laughs> yeah, tell me what about you? What, what where would you recommend someone starts or or resources and things like that? Oh, yeah. Well, once again, I just echo everything Ania uh, said. I just think Ania should run for president. Uh, and you and Jesse can, can run together. I think that would be a, a fun world that we would live in. But um, yeah, I think, uh, so in terms of an encouragement, I mean, I just think uh, I've been thinking about the great philosopher, Randy Newman, who once said, it's Short a jungle out there. No reason to live? No, not. <laughs> no. And so, uh, yeah, Randy Newman said, you know, it's a jungle out there. And I think that it's, it's true. Uh, but I think with that comes a wonderful opportunity for innovation, for contextualization, missiologically speaking. But, you know, as we were talking about earlier, I just think the work of planting itself is such an act of worship uh, mm-hmm. that it brings you in a, a deeper intimacy with Jesus. And so uh, in, in the, the crucible of planting, the, the thousand failures, the few successes, some, he makes you his in a way that maybe you weren't before. And so there is something about that that I think planters should be encouraged by. 
Um, but then, yeah, if people are trying to figure out, okay, I, I want to do microchurch stuff or I want to do decentralized network stuff, or if, if that's your thing, it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, we have movement school underground network.org is a, a place where you can go. And we have people who are training leaders outside of our network to uh, kind of imagine what does this look like for their city. But I think going back to what O'Neill had mentioned uh, with Alan Hirsch, I think the shaping of things to come was an instrumental book for a lot of us in our community uh, and kind of cracking open the possibility of, uh, yeah, the mission of God and the way that it's expressed in our, in our context. So uh, mm-hmm. I would point to, to that as well. And then, wow. yeah, even as people are talking about, man, I, I don't see other people doing this. There's, there is a, there are a lot of people. Uh, and I think that's, what's kind of amazing about this is that as you begin to live out the thing that you feel like God is calling you to, uh, and other people catch wind of it or see it, it, it affirms the work that God is doing in them as well. And they say, Oh, I thought I was crazy when I, when I heard this, but I see that, no, actually this is something that God is doing. So Tampa, as much as people look at us, we're not special or unique. I mean, we have friends in, uh, Pennsylvania who are doing some amazing stuff, friends in Atlanta who are doing some incredible stuff, Alabama, Texas, Ireland, it's, it's around the world. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Last, last time when we were doing this, we had uh, Dr. Richard Blackaby that we were interviewing. I grew up with his father and Richard and I were friends. And, um, and, um, and that was one of the things that I saw in that church where that book Experiencing God came from um, was that God was calling men and women all the time. And, and the culture of the church was to support that calling and, um, and fan it. And as, as a result, you know, his, his thing of going where you see God working, you know, and joining him there, you see, we, we just watched that. And that church itself never grew to be a large church. It was honestly, probably its best days was just not much over 200 people, but it planted, it planted, it gave itself away, it planted and the kingdom of God, you know, it was a picture of it just multiplying tenfold a hundredfold of, uh, of of that picture and we got to i got to got a little picture of that so this this faithfulness and then the spiritual authority that comes under that is um is mind-blowing so one last sort of un- question we're coming on the hour here and i want to give you guys both a, a good a good time to do this but um mm-hmm. you got what you got a little room full of church planters in front of you and you love them all. Um, they're people that you respect and um, they're, they, they want to please Jesus and, uh, and they want to pour their life out for him and, um, and with him and uh, give us a, the thing that you just stirring in your heart and imagination right now, what, what prophetic word would you speak into them right now? Tommy, go ahead. Oh, man. I have to think about these things. Uh, I defer to Onia. I've been, <laughs> I've been holding on to that card for the whole hour. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let her go, go first. Go for it. <laughs> oh, I think what I would say to them is that the most building the church is building the people is building the cult out ones. And so spending your life in discipleship and creating disciples who can disciple others, whose gifts won't look like yours, whose leadership style won't look like yours, but you can still pour out everything that you have into them and see them as always spiritual sons and daughters and not threats to your leadership or, or to who you are, if you make that your most important thing, you are going to grow way slower than your friends. Um, You are maybe not going to have the statistics that are going to get you in a, in a magazine, um, but you will build something that will last for eternity. Hmm. Hmm. It's beautiful. I think we see that. Tommy, you had a second, you got it now. You recovered? Yeah, now, maybe now I've, I've okay. got something. Uh, yeah, I just think, you know, the conversation that we always have for people is just, it's first love. It's why do we do any of the things that we do? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if this thing that you're dreaming of, this thing that you're trying to plant, if it were to epically fail and not happen or not grow or whatever, but you gained Christ Jesus in the process, is that enough for you? Mm-hmm. And can you be satisfied with that? And I think for us, it's like the, the thing that we always come back to as a community is that as much as we love what we've done and what we've been able to, to see happen, if Jesus told us to burn this whole thing down, we would, because actually it's him that we've been after this whole time. And so as much as we love the underground, we don't care about it, actually. Uh, it's Jesus that we want. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just encourage any planter to, to hold that in your heart, like, okay, could I, could I be happy, die happy, knowing that I tried and, and whether or not it succeeded or failed, but I got Jesus at the end of it, that that was enough for me. Mm. Um, and to never, never lose your first love. Um, I think there's, there's powerful words in Revelation about that. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. You guys. Seriously. <laughs> So good. You know, I um, come out of ministry in Wyoming and we're just building the kingdom and having people experience the kingdom with one another, like just watching it ruin people so much so that they would move to our little town and we had to start house churches and we had to keep teaching them like how to, no, no, bring this where you are. You be you where God has put you. Don't move here. There's no jobs. We can't feed you, you know, and and be the, bring the kingdom there um, because the kingdom, it, it ruins everyone. Like I, you know, it, it the, the, the non-believer, the pre-believer, the jaded believer, the cynical, the deconstructing, like, I think we're all so hungry to experience the kingdom um, through one another with one another. It, it is worth, uh, experimenting and, and innovating and, and doing the things that have never been done. And, and I, I just want to thank you for what you've been sharing today. I think hopefully it's raised the imaginations, um, inspired, challenged uh, some of our listeners. They are asking about how to get in touch with you. So if you are, are so willing, um, share the best way <laughs> that someone might be able to, to get a hold of you. Uh, oh. probably just, uh, email. So tell me T O M Y at Tampa underground.com. Best way to, to reach me. I'm terrible. If you're trying to reach out to me on social media, I apologize in advance. I am doing my best to steer clear of that demon. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, that there's a whole nother conversation to be had in that, but, uh, email is probably the best way to reach me. I would say likewise me. So Onia at 21stCenturyChurch.com and 21st is 21ST. And Onia is O-N-E-Y-A. Correct. Mm. Yes. Or at O-O-Kwabi on Twitter. I will probably see it. (laughs) You guys have been such a blessing. Thank you so much. Jeff, what are our final thoughts here as we're concluding um, all of this? Yeah, well... First, Jess, it was fun doing this with you, and uh, we'll have to maybe do this again sometime. But um, uh, I think I think I think our guests today really serve to typify and express really the heart more than the model, the heart mm-hmm. of um, of what disciples of Jesus need to look like and what our priorities need to be um, revolving around. And uh, I thought they did a, a super job. Um, I hope that these six weeks that we have done this, um, I guess 12 weeks, um, the, the, there, there is a, a, a fair level of pessimism, I think, amongst a lot of evangelicals about the, the health of the church and, uh, and the direction of the trajectory of the church. And, um, but, there shouldn't be in terms of Jesus's church. And, um, and so I think, I think we went back to the basics, didn't we? We kind of got back to the core issues of things. And, um, and I think today was a good way to round it off about when Jesus gets his way, um, it it really changes everything. And uh, so, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you, Jess. This has been fun. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. And I just think, you know, Jesus never had a hard time like 
attracting people with his with his message and mm-hmm. so i think if we are maybe there's something a little off in our message and we need we need to find out what good news is um it and doesn't i do start off with, with ain't it awful i know <laughs> and i do think that i do think that jesus is coming and, and redeeming his church i think we are the underreached people group mm. i think i think those inside uh the walls are the underreached people group and jesus is coming after us so we hope uh, these six weeks have been, yeah, good for you, challenging for you. Um, if you missed some of the other ones, I, you can go and find them on the hub there with Expo and um, go back and listen. We've had some amazing guests, all of them experts with history and experience mm-hmm. in what they're doing. Um, so we've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And Jeff, it's been wonderful hanging out yeah, with you. Thanks so much. God bless you, everybody. God bless everybody. Thank you.